Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
Let me add my welcome to you for uh, Mother's Day today. Uh, it's appropriate, I guess, that Dr. Joe would be at the hospital helping with the uh, C-section of a new arrival this morning, so I'm going to substitute for uh, his part in the service this morning. Today, of course, is Mother's Day, and no two mothers are alike. Some are tall, some are short, some are young, some are old, some are older, uh, presently speaking myself, I guess. But mothers are often the glue that holds the family together. And when we say that, we have to recognize, of course, that mothers are not perfect. They are human. And uh, we know that to be a fact. And yet when they fulfill their role as God-intended mothers, they give us a glimpse into the heart of God. When they fulfill their role as God intended, they um, must be tender and compassionate. And they can be a force reckoned with. They can be all sorts of things. But when it is, but it is when they are loved that we see God the most clearly. And I was thinking as we were singing that song, we talk about winning the world for Jesus. We need to win the world on the battlefront at home, don't we? As well as across our cities and our nation and, and across the world. And as mothers, we have the privilege of being a part of that role. And, but God speaks to all of us about knowing him, uh, knowing God through love. We turn to 1 John, the uh, 4th chapter, and begin with the 7th verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is his commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Join me in prayer. Our Father, we are so grateful that we are able to be here in this uh, service on Mother's Day, not only to honor those who gave birth to us, but also to honor our own children Most of all, Lord, we come today to honor you, to give to you the praise and the glory that you so deserve. You gave your son out of love, 
that only begotten that was so precious to your heart. And we thank you for that amazing gift that you shared with us. Father, I pray that you will help us, whether mothers or not today, that uh, we will all take up the banner of saving the world, of uh, presenting Jesus to the whole world so that they may have the opportunity to see your love. Help that love to be shown in our lives in such an amazing way, Lord, as you live through us, that uh, people will truly be drawn to you. Help all that happens in this service today to be a blessing to your name and a drawing of your people to yourself, a winning of those whose hearts have not been convinced that Jesus is the answer to their needs. For we pray in his lovely name. Amen.
Good morning. Uh, this, this morning we have a responsive reading, The Doctrines, if you would follow along with me. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments were given by inspiration of God and that they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. We believe that there is only one God who is infinitely perfect, the creator, preserver, and governor of all things, and who is the only proper object of religious worship. We believe that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, undivided in essence and co-equal in power and glory. We believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. We believe that our first parents were created in a state of innocency, but by their disobedience they lost their purity and happiness, and that in consequence of their fall all men have become sinners, totally depraved, and as such are justly exposed to the wrath of God. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has by his suffering and death made an atonement for the whole world so that whosoever will may be saved. We believe that repentance toward God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and regeneration of the Holy Spirit are necessary to salvation. We believe that we are justified by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and that he that believeth hath the witness in himself. We believe that continuance in the state of salvation depends upon continued, obedient faith in Christ. We believe that it is the privilege of all believers to be wholly sanctified, and that their whole spirit and soul and body may be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the immortality of the soul, in the resurrection of the body, in the general judgment at the end of the world, in the internal happiness of the righteous, and in the endless punishment of the wicked.
introduce a new element to our service or added dimension. Usually the end of the month we have, the last Sunday of the month, we have prayer partner time. Well, today we're going to start just a prayer time as the band transitions from the stage and the songsters transition up. We're going to make that a time where if you feel that you want to come up and pray at the altar, um, please feel free to, to come up and do so. Um, it's not an altar call for salvation necessarily, um, but that's if, if that's your need, by all means, please feel free to come up. But it's just a time for you to pray, a time set aside for you to come alone and um, pray with the Lord. And after a time, I'll pray, and then we'll sing the chorus again. So we're going to start as the band and the songsters kind of transition around. We're going to sing, Meet My Need, Lord, Meet My Need Just Now.
have a place of comfort. In Sunday school class today, we were talking about how when we have needs, sometimes we search many places for the answer to prayer or for the answers to life's questions. But Lord, I thank you so much for being that place that we can go to and we're not deceived and we're not given false answers. We're given honest and loving answers. I just thank you, Lord, for loving me and for loving each person here. Even though we're not worthy, you love us still. Oh, my God.
looked like some of the songsters didn't know quite what to do during that musical break. <laughs> Just smile. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are out there, both um, listening on our podcast or CD and here in the sanctuary. I hope um, you'll also note in the bulletin all of the um, college graduates that are included in the side panel there. Pretty soon we'll be um, speaking of the high school graduates, but all of those college graduates have made their mothers very proud today. You know, I went to college once upon a time, and as um, as I kind of worked into my college career, it became clear I wasn't going to be a brain surgeon. So eventually I settled for a major in horticulture. As a result, I'm now a Salvation Army officer. So just, just go figure. You philosophy majors will understand that, right? One of the things um, I studied when I was studying horticulture was how to care for woody ornamentals. That means bushes. <laughs> bushes and trees and things like that. Proper care for uh, those kind of plants, especially flowering and fruiting varieties, involves proper pruning. You have, to, you have to prune these things. Now, before you start coming to me for advice um, about pruning trees and shrubs, let me tell you, I dropped out of college 30 years ago before I ever got that major. So if you have um, questions and you need answers, uh, see someone who knows what they're talking about, like Jim Furon. Where's Jim? It's probably there. there he is in the back. He knows everything about plants and that. But even though I, um, I failed to finish, I still remember enough to be dangerous, so I'm going, to, um, I'm going to practice on you. A little earlier in the service, we watched the video clip taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And you might want to open your Bibles to that passage because that's where we'll be focusing this morning. In this clip, if you recall, Jesus talked of pruning a vine. Didn't know Jesus was a horticulturalist, did you? But you know, he's, he's actually more than that. He's more than a horticulturalist. He is the creator. He designed those plants. He not only knows how to care for them, he created them. So he knows what he's talking about. Pruning is necessary because plants put a lot of energy into vegetative growth, into making branches and, and leaves and those kind of structures. But when you prune a plant, you help it to direct its energy into um, the most beneficial ways, uh, into the direction you want it to put its energy. A plant needs branches and leaves. But if you're interested in producing flowers or fruit, you want that plant to put the maximum amount of energy it possibly can into producing flowers and fruit. One way to do this, to get the plant to cooperate with you, is to prune off all the unnecessary branches that uh, would steal energy from fruit production. Different plants have to be pruned in different ways, and there's a whole science to this, which again is why you should talk to Jim Fearon, because he knows the science of this. One plant that needs a lot of attention when it comes to pruning is a grapevine. A grapevine can quickly get out of hand if you don't manage it 
well. They can grow quite large and quite fast. In Jesus' teaching in John chapter 15, he uses the metaphor of a vine. Now, in our day, we've become rather urbanized and um, disassociated from agriculture. But the folks in Jesus' day would have um, immediately understood what Jesus was trying to get at here. He was laying out a principle in this kingdom using this metaphor. The principle is laid down in verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it will bear even more fruit. And then skip down to verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. So, in this metaphor, Jesus is the true vine. God the Father is the gardener or the, the vine dresser, the guy who does the pruning. And we, believers, are the branches. We also learn here that our lives produce something of value to God, and it's called fruit. Now, there are two kinds of pruning mentioned in Jesus' introduction here. The first is to prune out unproductive branches. Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I'll bet you didn't know that grapevines only bear fruit on new growth. In other words, the branches that produced grapes last year don't produce grapes this year. So once a branch stops bearing fruit, it needs to be removed. It's not going to produce uh, grapes in the next year. The fact that it bore fruit last year won't spare it from being removed this year. doesn't matter that it performed well in the past. I think there's an application here for us to note, and it's this. Don't rest on your laurels. You know, it's great that perhaps you shared your faith boldly in 1985. It's wonderful that the Flint Citadel did open-air meetings in the 50s and 60s, and I don't know when you all stopped. But, you know, if we have to look back into the past to find our fruit, then we need to put out some new growth don't we? So we can bear some new fruit. I wonder what new spiritual growth are you experiencing? What new spiritual growth are you putting out so that you can bear new fruit? What new growth is the Flint Citadel as a, as a body of believers? What new growth are we putting out so that we can grow Not just grow our church, but grow the kingdom of God. Pruning grapevines involves removing last year's growth to make way for this year's fruit-bearing growth. A second kind of pruning mentioned here involves not last year's branches, but the new growth, the fruit-bearing branches that are new this year. Jesus says that God prunes them to increase their harvest. That goes back to what I said about removing vegetative or unfruitful growth. The vine dresser doesn't want too much of the plant's energy invested in vegetative growth at the expense of fruit. 
So there needs to be a balance there, doesn't there, between plant taking care of its needs and the plant producing fruit. Sometimes we, as um, branches in this vine, invest a lot of our time, a lot of our energy, and a lot of our money in unproductive things, things that don't bear fruit. And sometimes God starts pruning those things out of our lives. He may prune us with adversity or through conviction brought through Bible study or even a message like this or a comment of a friend or something that just makes you realize there's something in my life that's not productive. In fact, there's something in my life that's zapping my energy, taking it away from what God would have me to do. But God's goal in all of this is always to increase our effectiveness and always to increase the harvest. If a grapevine could speak, I'm sure it would tell us that it does not appreciate the pruning process, that it seems destructive and harmful and, um, and, and painful. What the grapevine doesn't realize and what we so often forget is that God has his eye on the harvest, not on our present comfort, not on whether, um, what our level of enjoyment is. He is looking at the harvest. God is looking at the the big picture. And he knows from that perspective what is best for us. Without God in our lives, um, we'll just amount to a lot of activity, a lot of running around, a lot of busyness, but not much accomplished, not much fruit that we can show. That can be true personally, And that can be true for a church. Jesus reminds us that apart from him, we can do, in fact, nothing. Nothing. He is the vine. He is the source. He is the support for the entire plant. It is only through him that we can be fruitful. And know this, God wants to maximize your fruit, the product of your life. Now God certainly is good and faithful and loving, even though he does this painful pruning. He wants what is best for us. But in John 15, 6, he warns us to take this matter of staying connected to him seriously because there are consequences to being unfruitful. John 15, verse 6 tells us, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There are perhaps three ways that um, we can become useless branches. First, we can refuse to listen to Jesus and, in effect, cut ourselves off from the vine. We can just refuse any nourishment, any communication, and we'll effectively prune ourselves off. Or second, we can listen to him, hear what he has to say, maybe nod our heads, and then just give him lip service, unsupported by any deeds, by any action, by any change in our lives, and we end up fruitless. And finally, we can end up useless branches if we accept him as master 
and then in the face of difficulties or in the desire to please ourselves, to do as we like, we abandon him. We, we walk away. You know, it really doesn't matter how we become useless branches, does it? Because our fate is the same. Jesus' parable here invites us to come face to face with the undeniable principle of the New Testament. Uselessness invites disaster. The fruitless branch is on the road to destruction. Here's what Jesus recommends we do. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what are we to do? Abide in him. Live in him. Remain in him. Allow him to prune you and and even go farther. Assist him in the process. Put your energy into bearing fruit that will last. Don't settle for um, shriveled raisins of the past when you can produce juicy grapes today, grapes that the Lord can use to make wine for his banquet. He's preparing a banquet, a feast for us in heaven. Using this metaphor of a fruitful vine, Jesus says that as long as we remain connected to him, we can expect to bear fruit. And in fact, we should bear fruit. And God will assist us in becoming even more fruitful. But if we show ourselves to be unfruitful, then God will discard us. I want each of us to get connected, to stay connected to Christ, to allow God to maximize our usefulness for this kingdom that he is is building. Once we're saved, we need to remain. We need a dynamic, growing relationship with Christ. We read it this morning, the Salvation Army's Ninth Doctrine. Continuance in a state of salvation depends upon continued obedient faith in Christ. We need to stay connected, folks. We need to stay connected to the source. Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 21, speaks of this in some kind of frightening terms. Here's what it says. And this is using an olive tree instead of a... um, Grapevine, but it's the same concept. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root. The root supports you. Will you say then, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in? Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Ouch. We need to be careful. We need to be mindful. And we do this 
by staying connected to Christ. In doing so, we will produce fruit. It may not be the fruit of a stadium full of converts like Billy Graham. It may be um, a simpler fruit. But are you seeing fruit in your life? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness. Are you seeing those, those qualities? Are you seeing souls brought into the kingdom? To do so, we must remain in him. We must remain attached to the vine. If we fail to produce fruit for God because we refuse to listen, refuse to act, or abandon him, then his word says God the Father will discard us. I don't like that word. I don't like that concept. I didn't put it in there. God did. And Jesus says that those who are discarded dry up and are burned. Now, that doesn't sound good to me. You can draw your conclusions on that, but it does not sound good to me. So this morning, are you a part of the vine? Are you attached? If not, then get grafted in. God can graft you in. He can, he can take and put you into the, um, into the vine. Come and seek Christ. Are you producing fruit in your life that God values? Eternal fruit. Fruit of a changed character. A changed life. Fruit that makes you look more like Jesus. And that entices others to um, come to him because they see that fruit in your life. And it's like, wow, that, that's, I want that. That's, that's really attractive. That looks good. I want to be like that. God asks us to work with him in improving our fruit, both the quantity and the quality. In return, he promises to give us assurance and peace and purpose and in the end, eternal life. Sounds like a great offer to me. So if you're not attached to the vine, you need to be grafted in. It's where you need to start. You need salvation. You need to repent of your sins, to seek forgiveness through the blood of Christ shed on your behalf, and trust Him with your life. You may not understand how God's going to change your life. You spent years and years messing it up. How can God change your life? He can. That's what He does. You have to trust Him. If you're a part of Christ, but you're not producing fruit, then you need to work on abiding in Him, living in Christ, remaining in Christ. This, is, this takes on the aspects of discipleship, prayer, scripture, uh, serving others, fellowship of other believers. You need, you need to um, remain attached to Christ, not pull away. Finally, if you're fruitful, but you want to increase the harvest, you really want to cooperate with God, if you want Christ to, um, to do all that he possibly can do in you, then you have to give complete control to him. We call that holiness, surrendering control of our life, direction of our life, completely to Jesus and to the leading of the Holy Spirit because God works best through a surrendered life. You don't have to 
try and catch you to, to do pruning because you are cooperating. If you surrender, God can, can mightily work through you. If God's calling you to a full surrender, then I invite you to come as well. Whatever God may need to do in your life, and maybe you're just fine. You're just pumping out the fruit and uh, you are showing the fruit of the Spirit in your life and people are attracted and they're asking you, man, why are you the way you are? You have reasons to be um, depressed or angry, but, but you're not that way. What, what is it? What, what's up with you? Um, I hope you're seeing those fruits developing. And um, you don't have to go necessarily knock on doors and bang people in the head with Bibles. Um, your life is one of the greatest calling cards for the Savior. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. that you are the vine, that you are the source of our life and our strength and our ministry. Because God, if if we had to do it on our own, we know where that would go. Some of us perhaps are um, skilled enough, dynamic enough, gifted enough that we can make a good run of it for a while and maybe we could, um, could make some splashes that would cause people to take notice. But God, we know that your work, eternal work, is hard work. It is faithfulness and, and God, that um, you honor us when we invest ourselves in you. And so, God, we pray for that kind of a, a change in our own lives. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, and you know who they are, people who just have not really been grafted into the vine, maybe been on the outside and interested, but have never made that commitment to to repent and to seek forgiveness and to put their trust in you. God, I trust your Holy Spirit to do exactly what um, he's here to do, and that's to bring conviction. So God, if there's anyone here who who needs that kind of change in their life, uh, Lord, right now, just make that person uncomfortable and convicted that they might hurry to your side to seek forgiveness. God, for those who perhaps aren't uh, showing the fruit that... um, that they would like, even in their own assessment of their life, of their character, of their conduct. God, I pray that um, instead of being discouraged, they would simply invest themselves completely in you to, to ask you, Lord, through, through times in prayer, through studying of your scriptures, through um, speaking with Christian friends to understand what it is to walk the way of a disciple. And God, I pray that... Um, you might begin that process now or it might take even a, a step ahead this morning. And finally, Lord, there may be those here who, who are on that path, who are producing fruit, but God, you're calling them to, to just surrender it all, to, to take the next step of faith and just truly trust you with every aspect of their lives. God, again, your Holy Spirit will apply to each of our hearts what we need to do. God, I pray that we would cooperate with you in this process. Thank you, Lord, for the nourishment that you give us. Thank you, God, for the strength you give us to serve. And Lord, I pray that we might find joy in that service. Bless us as we consider these things and as we respond to your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a... uh song. It's a time of invitation, time of reflection. Take time to be holy. 
second phrase says, abide in him always and feed on his word. That is the secret. If you're saved, you need to get you need to get um, grafted in. But once you're saved, here's what you need to do. You need to abide in him. You need to live in him. Not just Sunday morning. Every moment of every day. So if God's speaking to you through Seek whatever it is you need from him. Let's sing the first verse together. this morning, I'll read Psalms 22, verses 25 through 31 from the New Living Testament. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. 
He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of his of the Lord. His righteous acts will hold will be told to them not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Shall we pray? To God, we thank you today for this day to recognize our mothers and pay tribute to them, and uh, not only our mothers, but the mothers of our children and maybe the children, our grandchildren. But God, we pray that you'll continue to be with us throughout the day. Uh, keep us close, keep us safe as we go home, and give us all a glorious day, we pray. Amen. The benediction is gift to Jesus' glory. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.